Annabel Meikle was shocked when she was diagnosed with breast cancer four years ago. As I'm sure most of you know, I can sympathise. We know how chilling it is. It almost feels like a death sentence. But both of us at different times have learned just how important the Maggie's Cancer Care Centre, based at the Western General, can be to putting it all into context to offer some reassuring support and help to understand what that diagnosis actually means for each and every one of us individually. Annabel decided that this was a charity she had to support, but wasn't entirely sure how. Well, I was inspired three years ago when Maggie's launched a campaign called 50 Runs. I have a bad back, so I can't run anymore. And on New Year's Day, when my Sunday swimming buddy and I were sitting in the garden, she said, why don't you do 50 swims? And so the gauntlet was thrown down and so I did and it was quite a challenge I've been very lucky the last two years because we've been blessed with very nice weather so I tend to swim at sunrise and sunset so I try and fit two in a day so that I've got a few in the bank so I've done as you say nine already the first year I did it I raised five and a half thousand pounds last year I raised three and a half thousand pounds but that's still fairly impressive yeah Yeah, I think it has the real factor. A lot of my friends, when I put my stuff up on social media, just go, I cannot think how you can do that. And I've actually just had a friend staying who lives in Spain and she just looked slack-jawed as I would pull on my cosy and my boots and my gloves and just head on into the sea. But it's a real discipline. And once you've taught your brain that this is not going to kill you and you're going to feel much better after it, You do feel the cold, but it's very, very invigorating. So, yeah, it's a challenge, but I also enjoy it. But you're not one of those, because I do know of one woman who actually swims the year round just in a standard swimming costume. I'm wearing a long-sleeved swimming costume. For me, the game changer is the boots and the gloves. If your extremities are cold, then it's pretty painful. And I also wear boots just from a sort of safety point of view, so if I don't stand on anything. But yeah, I'm a fair weather swimmer in terms of I don't like waves and I don't put my head underneath. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the important thing is this is to do with Maggie's and we both have a, a Maggie's story to tell. So why Maggie's from your point of view? In 2018, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I found a small lump myself and I was treated very successfully. I was operated on and I had two weeks off work. And in the new year, I had four weeks of radiotherapy. And during all of that time, you feel incredibly cosseted and looked after and there's constantly people looking at you and poking needles in you. And then when your treatment finishes, you suddenly just fall off this wall. And I absolutely didn't know what to do with myself. I really didn't know how to handle this next bit. And I called Maggie's, a friend of mine had been going to it. And so I was very much aware of what Maggie's was and where it was and the concept behind it. And I went in, this is pre-COVID, and it's the most beautiful building in a beautiful garden. And there's a kitchen table, and the first thing you get asked is, would you like a cup of tea, coffee, have a biscuit? And at that point, they didn't run on an appointment system. They do tend to a wee bit more now. I walked in, and I met the most extraordinary woman called Issy, 
who you will know. And she sat me down and she said to me, are you quite a positive person? And I said, yes, I am generally a cup half full. And she said, wisely, oh, it, always has, it always affects people like you the worst. And the way I describe it is the medical people, they sort your body out. But what Maggie's do is they sort your head out. And she gave me an article from a TED talk. She said, take this home, sit quietly, read it. She said, it'll probably take you about an hour because you'll, it'll affect you. And I, I did... I think it's called After the Treatment, Then What? Yes, that's it. If you Googled it, you get his name. And it literally took me about an hour and a half to get through it because it was like somebody had written this for me. And this became a real tool for me because I photocopied it and I gave it to lots of people, including my father and my mother. And my father was a surgeon and he looked at the whole thing as sort of very clinically... But he said, I always thought this bit was a bit mumbo-jumbo, but he said, it's not. He said, I absolutely understand what you've gone through and what you're going through now. I gave it to my boss. I gave it to my work colleagues. I gave it to everyone in my family. And and I continued to see Issy. And she saved my brain. And then I was very, very lucky to be asked in the September onto a woman and wellbeing course. And there was five of us. And Issy took us through all the sort of range of emotions and practical things and I will I'm bonded with those other women we all had different stories we were different ages and it just struck me that this was absolutely amazing work and we needed to raise money for them I've got a very good friend who I do boot camp on the beach on a Saturday morning who had breast cancer prior to me Sarah is an accountant and she's very good at thinking about ways to make money so we did an auction and we raised £9,000 and we went along to Maggie's to hand over our orange cheque and it had such a profound impact on me that we were doing something to help them to continue that incredible work. You know, I have to say that almost every member of my family has had cancer at one point or other and every one of us has had the benefit of Maggie's experience to take the fear away. Yeah. The way that I used to describe it was when you're sitting there opposite your surgeon and they tell you you've got cancer, but you've got a good prognosis. And I did because I found mine very, very early. And he said, you know, I will fix you. But it is a bit like somebody firing a bullet into your brain and that bullet just rattles around your brain. And I found what Maggie's helped to do was just get that bullet out of my brain and understand what I had gone through. But within that shared context of other people who have had similar experiences. Because I don't know about you, David, but the one thing I found very hard when I was telling people that I'd been diagnosed with cancer, and it's only a couple of people said to me, but you'll be fine, you'll be fine. And actually think, there's only one person that can tell me I'm going to be fine. Mm You. Me, my surgeon, <laughs> yeah. From my own point of view, I was told I had prostate cancer, advanced prostate cancer, the metastatic one, by the surgeon who replaced my hip. And when I asked what did that mean, she says, I don't know, I'm not ex- an experienced in that. And I was in the Royal Infirmary for something like 17 days, and nobody came to talk to me about what this meant. And it was only later I went to Maggie's and Izzy, was the person that I spoke to, and she just took the fear out of it. So when I actually went to see the oncologist, 
I was in a much better state of mind. They're not like, and I, I mean this in the nicest way, they're not like normal counsellors because they have such such experience of dealing with cancer. Because, as you know, it's not like breaking your leg and knowing that you can get it pinned and it'll fix you. It's being told that you've got something which could potentially kill you if it's not treated well or right. And I think what that's where their real skill lies. And I know quite a few friends that have been there. My uncle went there. He passed away. He saw Andy. Andy's one of the lead counsellors. We called him the, the angel. Uh, so, it, yes, it's a very, very rewarding experience. And it's also such a beautiful environment. And I think there's something very distinctive about that. It's the warmth. There's little sort of cubby holes where you can go off. There's a lot of tissues, <laughs> but there's a lot of light in that building. And I think one of the other things about Maggie's is when people talk about it and they haven't been, you probably think it's quite a depressing place and that everyone's weeping and wailing. And actually, when you walk in, there's a huge energy. And Izzy used to say, when our little group used to meet on a Monday afternoon, she said that all the other councillors had noted what laughter they could hear from our room and how energised we emerged from that room. So I think that's a really important thing to know about Maggie's and also that they don't turn anyone away. So you don't need to be the person with cancer. You could be the partner or you could be the mother. And actually a friend of mine, very close friend of mine, her daughter has just been diagnosed with lymphoma. She's a young woman and I said to my friend, once you can get the diagnosis and get the plan, I said there'll be so many things running around your head I would suggest you go to Maggie's and sit down and they will be focused completely on you and help you build your coping strategies. One of the good things is you've mentioned that there was a group for women. I went to a group for men. And one of the things that I was told there is it's so much harder for men because we find it harder to explain what is going on inside us. I think that's a really valid point to make is women know how to talk but men I think it's much much harder and especially with such a frightening it's a frightening experience going through and you had a pretty grim experience didn't you Hmm. it's a bit of a shock to have the neck of your femur break and then be told by the Royal Infirmary of Sciatica (laughs) and six weeks later you're told oh yes you do actually have a broken hip Mm -hmm. and then they investigate everything and they put you through all their big machines the MRI CT scans and so forth just to confirm that yes that is the diagnosis and it has spread to certain parts of your body which is also the worrying thing something that I really needed to get Izzy to explain to me it's Mm -hmm. just what this disease actually does to the body Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think what Izzy, for me, has really recognised is I have an annual checkup with a wonderful surgeon, but it's in December and I get myself wound up, especially the second year. The first year I just felt reassured that somebody was going to come and see me. And Izzy's very good at just building a sort of resilience. that You know what's coming and hopefully it's going to be good news. And I think the other message that I'm always very keen to get out about being diagnosed with cancer is I found my lump and I found my lump because I'd had a scare two years previously and I waltzed along to the western to have my mammogram and it says bring somebody with you and be prepared and bring a notebook I didn't do any of that and by the time I actually got into the consultant's 
room, I was shaking like a leaf. I think I was 47 at the time. And he said, I'm going to send you downstairs for a mammogram, but I can tell you this is not malignant. And he said, but he gave me the stats. It was one in eight women would get breast cancer, whether they had it in their family. I came away and thought, right, every month I'm going to check my breasts to see if there's any abnormality. And a lot of my friends said to me, but I don't know what I'm looking for. And I said, well, you might not, but if you know what everything should feel like, you will know when something doesn't feel right or doesn't look right. And I think the same message for men, that if you can catch this early, you've got such a good chance. And actually, again, my surgeon said to me, I will fix you. He said, but you've given yourself the best chance of a good prognosis. So for men, it's very much a question of having your PSA checked on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just being very conscious of small changes in your body. I mean, I suppose for women it's probably a bit easier, but I just think if there is something which is niggling or something that doesn't feel right, just go and get it checked out. A doctor will never criticise you for being overconscious. So getting back to the swims, have you set up a crowdfunding page or a GoFundMe page, that kind of thing? I've got a Just Giving page and I'm also putting posts up most days on my Facebook page. So I like to put in pictures of cold feet and snowy toes. I'm a, bit, a person that doesn't put my face up on Facebook very often, but I take pictures of my toes. So it's a cold toe swim and I have a little posse of friends come and sometimes swim with me because it's really nice when you're feeling a bit unenthusiastic about swimming. It just keeps the interest in it going and reaches a bigger audience. Annabelle had her latest consultation just before Christmas and has been passed all clear once again. But she doesn't for one moment forget the help and support she received at a really difficult time and is once again braving the waves on Porty Beach throughout this month. And if you would like to support her 50 Swimmers for Maggies, just follow the links I posted on Facebook and Twitter. And that's it once again for another week. A reminder that if you know anyone, like Annabelle, who's taking on a challenge or doing something in or for the community, then let us know either through social media or by email at theportypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.